Welcome to Street Smart Business Leaders Powered by Clout. I'm Ishaan Ellis, CEO of Clout, a national public relations and marketing communications firm headquartered in Chicago. Our agency is dedicated to uncovering insights and cultural trends to help business leaders better understand today's consumer. We also invite some of the best minds in business to come on our show to share their insight and experiences. So if you're interested in becoming a guest on our show, stick around to the end of this podcast and I'll tell you how to become one. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Street Smart Business Leaders Powered by Clout. I'm Sean Ellis, CEO of Clout, a marketing communications agency headquartered out of Chicago. And we have a special guest with us today, Tanya McKenzie. She is founder and CEO of Sands Insurers PR and Leadership. And she's also the LA County Commissioner of Alcohol and Other Drugs. So I have a, a ton of questions for you. So, but welcome to the show, Tanya. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and have this conversation. Oh, yeah. So tell me about uh, Sands and Shores. So Sand and Shores is my PR and leadership firm that I developed um, kind of as technology advanced in the marketing, you know, PR, advertising space, recognizing that sometimes we were doing things for clients that were not getting their ROI, right? promising things, especially with traditional media. I was with an advertising agency and I was with a um, a newspaper out in West LA. And I started recognizing as a consumer and as a buyer that people weren't always getting their ROI. How can we be better? Well, we have to use technology. We're getting more advanced with that. So how can we make sure people are getting what they ask for? If you say um, they're getting a thousand clicks or they're going to get a 5,000 views on something, how can we do that? My background has allowed for me to use PR in a way that helps people tell stories and, you know, work with marketing, integrated, integrated PR with marketing and advertising and all those cool things, social media. Um, So I started a firm where I could help small businesses, um, civic organizations, police departments, and nonprofits really maximize their dollars. Because at the end of the day, it's not about how much money you spend. It's about the impact and the reach. So tell me, you mentioned a little bit of your background. So tell me a little bit more about your background. You uh, LA born and raised, what's your your background? I'm not, I'm from the Bay Area, so go Warriors. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I went to Cal State Northridge though. So I did go to college in LA. Actually, I'm lying, I went to Grambling first. Okay. And then recognized that um, they did not prepare me for the humidity or the big bugs. So I took my spoiled tail back to California, went to Cal uh-huh. State Northridge. But being from the Bay Area, I wound up back in the Bay right during the, um, the tech boom, right? My husband's in technology. So I worked for an agency, an ad agency uh, back in 99, if I'm not aging myself too mm-hmm. much. Um, while I also worked part-time at a YMCA, a nonprofit that was trying to raise money to build a new facility, because that's also when, uh, the mortgage boom took place, right. And people were buying new homes and in this area, they needed a facility to service these new families that were coming in, but they didn't have the money. So I took the job, but I wound up spending a lot of my time doing market research making cold calls, trying to find out who is in this community. And then what do you need? Once, you know, I found that out, put together programs, and then you have to do what? Market and sell the programs back to the people that said they wanted it. So, 
you know, with that, a lot of lessons learned because you have to ask the right questions in order to get the right answers, to be able to produce the right programs and marketing for that. We eventually, it took a while, but we eventually raised over a million dollars and opened up this new facility, but it took a lot of time. It took a lot of hard work. And I learned a lot of lessons that I've been able to carry out in my career to bring me to the point I am now. Uh, that's good stuff. So, so in your opinion, uh, how has PR changed o- over the years? Um, do you do you feel like the industry is different now? And we've had the pandemic. We've had, and I guess it's a two-part question. We've had the, you know, uh, during the Trump presidency the credibility of the media was called into question. And, you know, we rely on the media to help tell our clients stories. How has that all been impacted in your opinion? And does PR have a role in, in kind of fixing some of the, the issues? What do, what do you think? Kind absolutely. of a heavy question, but- I'm No, actually to... it's a perfect um, yeah. question because we are in a moment right now where PR and PR professionals are really going to drive the stories that are told. So how has it changed? Well, traditionally it was just known as something for celebrities, something for, you know, Mm -hmm. athletes. Um, You think of PR and you're thinking glitz and glamor, but the root, the base of PR is storytelling. Storytelling requires you to have a solid brand and then being able to tell that story in a way that resonates with your target audience. Well, you have to know who your target audience is sure. because it's not everybody, like most people would like to say. And with I want to talk to everybody, yeah. Right? <laughs> everybody can benefit from this. Right. No. Right. When it especially when it comes to civic and nonprofit and law enforcement organizations, your target market is the community in which you serve. Those sure. are the people that you need to build trust with. They need to know, like and trust you, particularly with the George Floyd moment that took place, even though we, those that look like us, know that there's always been distrust, that moment allowed for others to see where that distrust comes from and then be able to acknowledge why it's even there in the first place. Now you have to put yourself in a position where you acknowledge that you need PR, you need understanding, you need trust. Well, how do I get that? Well, it's not marketing because marketing is you telling people how amazing you are. PR is other people telling other people how amazing you are. So in order for that to be positive, you have to be amazing Mm -hmm. to other people for them to share that story. So I think we wound up in a situation where, especially with the COVID shutdowns, right? Where people can't go out and network and shake hands. It's how do you stay relevant? It's how do you stay top of mind even when people don't know that they need you or they need your services or they even want to be bothered with you. It's through the recommendation of other people. Recommendations are third-party PR. You telling your friend that you can come to me and trust me with something that's important to you, whether it's a service or a product, that's PR. But it requires somebody to tell a story and you want to make sure that that story is positive and it resonates with the person you're talking to. Yeah. And so when you think about media, their their role in all of this, because um, I, I spent a lot of time, um, I see that you were part of uh, Black Public Relations Society. I am out of the Chicago chapter, even though we're not doing that much in Chicago. 
Um, but we rely on the media a lot and work with journalists and you see newsrooms, you know, emptying out all over the place. And I personally think we, are, we, need, we need these folks. Um, do we have a, is there a role for PR to play to help journalists? You know what I mean? In, in some way. And, and maybe not. I, I don't know. But what's your thought on just journalism overall and what's happening? The best part about PR is perspective. When we're talking about the story, it's perspective. It's what is your perspective on this thing or how does your client uh, fit into the story? So being able to tell stories in a way that I won't say um, almost guides the media. You you can't, they can't have the full direction without us because sure. we're the ones that provide yeah. them the content. We provide them the experts. We provide them the sources and yeah. kind of the, the things that allow for the story to be created that they eventually write. On top of the fact that what you're saying is absolutely true. These newsrooms are getting... Um, you know, getting uh, emptied out. Yeah, we are doing a lot of the writing now. So even if you look when we put out press releases, sometimes they'll just put out the press release without right. publish it as is. <laughs> You're like what? So if that's gonna be if that's gonna be the practice, especially with those that have smaller writing teams, then we have to make sure that we are thoroughly covering um, the subject matters that we are putting out there to be able to get them in front of readers that it resonates with. So we do have an opportunity, especially now, and you're absolutely right. They're emptying out so much that they'll, they said to me, I've, they've said, uh, we can only use freelancers right now because we don't have a writing team big enough, or can you do the story and then send it to me? (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. we absolutely have a place because that's, you know, it's, it's, um, they need it. Yeah. They need it. Yeah. The supply and demand. I so agree. now we're in high demand because there's so much needed to be able to uh, provide quality content and stories that matter. Yeah. And you just thought that last part point, you just made stories that matter and quality of the content, which is, can help restore some integrity in, in journalism. And I, I do think we, we have a role as PR practitioners to do it. So, so tell me about the commissioner role. Uh, <laughs> I, I just find that so the smash up of, 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 of PR professional and also you know, uh, commissioner of alcohol and other drugs. So, so tell me about that role. Wow, so being a And how did your background play help, help you with that role? So this is my third commission, actually. My first commission, I was on the um, youth commission in the Bay Area, Contra okay. Costa County, with okay. Supervisor Federal Glover. I was doing a lot of work with that YMCA and coming up with programs and solutions for young people. So mm-hmm. being an advocate for young people and finding solutions for the things that they were dealing with, was that was my secret sauce. And they needed someone on the commission that can do that. I really didn't understand how important it was back then because I was I was picking up so many um, job titles and duties that I was just like, okay, sure, I'll do it. Okay. And by the time I was done, I was like, I was appointed and elected and people voted to make me a part of history in this city. Like it was crazy. And I was also in a city where there wasn't a lot of people that looked like me. Right. So oh, yeah. being able to, I guess you'd say deliver quality work in a way that 
um, elevated my visibility to even be recommended for that position was a big deal. But again, I didn't recognize it until later. So my first commission out here in Southern California, Supervisor Janice Hahn appointed me to the Human Relations Commission. And that commission really is about equity and equality and building bridges and policing. Why was I put on the, on the commission? Well, I was told that I know how to build bridges and solve problems. Um, and that's what I have been doing my whole time out here. So one day we were at a an event and I asked her senior advisor, I said, you know, what, what do we do? Like, you know, you read all the stuff, right? You read right, all the job right. titles and uh -huh. there's so many bullets. And then I said, but seriously, when people ask, what do we do? What do we do? She said, we make people happy. We bring solutions to problems that are plaguing our society. And with LA County being the largest in our nation, you could imagine we have a lot of problems. So being recommended to be a part of the solution proposing team was really a big deal for me. Um, I have a lot of work that I have done with police departments, mostly because of my own childhood. Um, I'm a gun violence survivor and I experienced a lot of having to be involved with the Justice Department and victim services. So it gave me a perspective that mm, was welcomed on this commission, seeing things from a different perspective. And for me, that kind of fits into PR because we see things differently. I think most people in communications understand how to not just listen to respond, but listen to hear and then be able to provide solutions. So Supervisor Holly Mitchell, um, once our districts change, so you know every everybody goes through their redistricting, you hear about yeah. it yeah. in the news yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, so she actually wound up taking over District 2, which is here in Redondo Beach, and they uh, appointed me to the Alcohol and Other Drugs Commission. I'm hugely passionate about it, particularly having a voice for the young people. That's obviously my thing. Um, but we have a large a population of kids that are dealing with addiction and uh, vaping and THC and fentanyl. Yeah. So yeah. I work with my committee is um, education and prevention. And I really think that that is where the solutions are really going to happen is how do we keep them from even wanting to get involved in something that can deter their future? Sure, sure. No, that's meaningful work, and and yeah, I see how PR ties into it for sure. So, so what's next for uh, Sand and Shores? Like, so is the goal to grow uh, the firm, uh, uh, keep it as a consultancy? What's what's your what's what's the big picture? Because you you're doing some amazing stuff. You got the city work, the the civic work that you're doing, and and you're you're working with. So, before you answer that question, so. Some of the um, talk about some of the clients that you're working with through your PR agency, like uh, some of the things that you're doing, and uh, what your plans are as far as next steps for for the agency. So various different police departments um, I consult. I do have a couple clients that are in entertainment and sports. That's not my secret sauce, but I can do the work. Uh, so we have that. But recently, I launched the coaching business the coaching part of the business, because 
there are a lot of people, authors, I'm also an author. So working with other authors to help them promote their book and find outlets that really care about the issues that they've written about are important to me. And I know that traditional PR is expensive. And I hate seeing that there are people that do not get their um, their material out, their business out, their services out because they don't have a large budget. I almost look at it like we lose when we don't know about these stories, when we don't know about yeah. these services or we yeah. don't know about these yeah. products. Yeah. So I, we launched the coaching business, which allows for us to service so many more people and my goal is to build at least a thousand new leaders because we can't do it all ourselves. So coaching and finding people that want to be in leadership positions, that want to be on board of directors, that want to hold um, jobs that help find solutions for this world, that help elevate their own message, especially when they're trying to do good in this world. And we need more people like that. But I hear too often people saying, oh, I don't think I'm qualified. I want to run for this office, but I don't think I can make it. Tanya, can you help us uh, figure out what to do next? Well, in those conversations, many of them are, are kind of downplaying their skills, downplaying their experience, downplaying their opportunity to be able to do something greater. So over the next 10 years, we would like to build over a thousand new leaders in different positions and get them out there in the media because that's important. And that is about teaching them how to be their own best cheerleader. You know, stop living in this imposter syndrome world where you think you're not qualified, you think you can't do it. It's important that we acknowledge the experiences that we've had, how they've set us up for success, and then step out to get it. So that's what's next it. for Sand and Shores. That's what we're working on, building new I leaders. I love it, love it, love it. And for a long time, I used to keep, I struggled with that imposter syndrome mm. deal and I would keep a, a sign above my desk and it would say, why not me? Mm. Why not me? And it, it, every time I was in doubt of, are we ready? Am I good enough? Or, you know, that kind of, or any doubt at all, I'd look at that sign, why not me? And and it it worked every time. Why not me? So no, I love what you're, you're, you're doing with that. That's fantastic. Um, so that, that's exciting. So uh, Tanya McKenzie, thank you so much for coming on Street Smart Business Leaders, uh, powered by Cloud. Really enjoyed the conversation. And, and it sounds like you're doing some amazing work. Uh, good luck with the consultancy. And uh, yeah, hopefully our paths will cross again. And thanks for coming on the show. Hey, let's stay connected. And anything that we can do together, let's make it happen. Because we're always that. better together. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much for listening to Street Smart Business Leaders Powered by Cloud. Now, if you know someone who'd be a great guest for the show, please send them my way or have them go to cloudllc.com slash podcast slash apply and we'll take a look. If you got something great out of today's show, please let me know what you thought. Also, share it on social media and be sure to subscribe to the podcast itself. And again, the whole goal behind the podcast is to share experiences and insights so we can all develop and grow. So until next time, make every day your masterpiece. Take care.